the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. That's how Genesis chapter 2 describes the creation of the first human being, the origin of all humankind. And what's true for Adam, our first ancestor, is true for all of us, his descendants. We are formed by the Lord God of dust from the ground. If you were to analyze the chemical composition of a human body, as modern scientists have done, that's exactly what you would find. The atoms in your body are mostly carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, all the same stuff that's commonly found all throughout the universe in the Earth's crust, and yes, in the dirt, in the ground. That's what you and I are made of. But what makes, what makes a human being something more then than just a heap of dirt? Well, it's not anything that lies in us, but only the way that the Lord God has formed us and has breathed life into us. Almighty God, who alone has the power to make something from nothing, put our bodies together in such a way that we are more than the sum of our parts. The Lord of life breathed a little life into each of us so that we became living creatures. In his perfect wisdom, he gave us the the capacity to observe our world and to think about it, to reason with him, to imitate his wisdom. In his perfect goodness, he gave us the power to act in the world, to work with our hands, to bless with our lips, to imitate his perfect goodness. In his perfect love, he gave us hearts that could delight in good things and that would therefore delight above all in him, in the giver of all good things. Our love, a response to and an imitation of his. So, Genesis 1 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Put differently, what makes being a human more than just being a pile of dust is a relationship with God. It's because God forms us and inbreathes us to bear his own image that we are what we are. To receive life from God. To respond to him by imitating him. To depend on God for everything. That's what it means to be a human being. Human life can only be what it is meant to be in relationship with God. And that's why in Genesis 3, when our first ancestors turned away from God, rejecting Him and rebelling against Him by their sin, the Lord God says to Adam, to all humankind, now you will return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is the ultimate and most dreadful consequence of human sin. That turning away from God, we go back to being what we were apart from Him. Which is nothing. 
just dust. Remember all of humankind's capacity for wisdom, for goodness, for love, came not from within ourselves, not from the stuff we're made of, but from the Lord God, our Maker. Without the breath of God continually infusing us, we have no more wisdom in us than a pile of dirt, no more goodness in us than a rock, no more love in us than the dust of the ground. Without the breath of God continually giving us life, we have no more life in us than the dust. Cutting ourselves off from the one whose breath gave us life, from the one we were meant to imitate, from the one on whom we were meant to depend for everything, cutting ourselves off from him, we have nothing. We become foolish, wicked, and cold-hearted. Quite simply, we die. And so, since the days of our first ancestors fall into sin, humankind has had one big problem. The problem of sin and death. It's a problem that each one of us must face. No one can avoid it. And yet it's a problem that none of us is able to do anything about. Just as we had no power in ourselves to give ourselves life in the first place, so we have no power to get back the life that sin has taken from us. Just as unless God created us, we wouldn't exist, so now unless God is willing to rescue us from sin and death, we will be lost to them forever. Well, this brings us to the psalm that Andrew read for us this evening. Psalm 103, it announces to us the gospel, the good news, the only good news that has anything to say to people like us who are facing this ultimate insurmountable problem of sin and death. And that news is this, that the Lord does not deal with us according to our sins. That's verse 10 of our psalm. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Understand, brothers and sisters, that the Lord would have every right to deal with us according to our sins, to repay us according to our iniquities, to be angry at us forever for the way we have refused his love and rebelled against his goodness. He would have every right to utterly reject us who have rejected him. We cut ourselves off from him. And he would have every right to leave us that way, cut off forever. There's nothing in us that can give him any reason to do otherwise. But because of who he is, he deals with us in a different way. Praise God. The Lord deals with us, not according to who we are or what we deserve, but according to who he himself is, according to his own character. Listen to verse 8 of the psalm. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's the character of God. And it's because he's like that, that he does not deal with us according to our sins. 
The Lord is abounding in steadfast love. Abounding means he has an infinite supply. His love can never be exhausted. It can never run out. No matter how fiercely we resist him, no matter how hatefully we insult him, no matter how much our sin stinks to high heaven, as it does, no matter what, God never runs out of love. No matter how hard or how costly we make it for him to love us, his steadfast love is so rich, so bottomless, that he can love us anyway. And he does. He does. Now, when the psalm says that God does not deal with us according to our sins, that doesn't mean that he simply ignores them. No, that would do us no good at all. When someone is in real danger, as we are because of our sin, it's not loving, it's no help at all to ignore the problem. God doesn't ignore our sins. Rather, because God's love for us is so great, it moves him to do something about our sins, to remove them. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Remember, sin was like an obstruction, cutting off our relationship with God and bringing death. But like a life-saving surgeon, God has removed that obstruction. He's removed our sins from us, as far as the east is from the west, meaning infinitely far. He's taken them away forever, never to come back. And he did it at great cost to himself. God removed our sins from us by taking them upon himself. By taking upon himself the consequence of our sins, death. That's what God did when in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, he submitted himself to death on the cross. That's the extent of God's love. That's the abundance of God's love for us. That he, the giver of life, would die so that he could restore life to us who deserve death. God is able to deal with us, not according to our sins, because he's already dealt with our sins in Jesus Christ, who suffered everything that our sin deserved. God did that for us because he knew we needed it, that without him we would have no hope. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. God, our creator, knows what we are like. He knows what we are made of. He remembers, even if we try as hard as we can not to, that without him, we are just dust. God knows that we can't fight off death. We can't escape from it any more than a fragile blade of grass or a wildflower can. Like them, we're alive for one little moment, and then the wind comes, and we're gone. It's over. God knows that that's what we're like on our own. 
But that's not, brothers and sisters, what God wants for us. That's not what he wanted when he first created us. And that's not what he wants now as he acts in Jesus Christ to save us. He doesn't want us to be just dead dust. He wants us to be living creatures. Real human beings who bear his image. Who delight in him and live with him in love forever. That's what he wants. That is the everlasting purpose of God. God has desired that for us from eternity. Listen to the contrast that our psalm makes. We are dust, it says. We're like grass or a wildflower, here one day and then gone the next. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. From everlasting to everlasting, eternally, from the beginning of time to the end of time and beyond, the Lord has abounded with steadfast love for his people. That's why he created us in his image, in relationship with him. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to restore us to that relationship and to his image. The business of God's steadfast love is to overcome sin and death on our behalf through Jesus Christ forever. Praise God. My time is almost up, and I guess before it's all gone, I should say something about Lent. Lent is a season that can help us to catch up with what God already knows. God already knows our weakness. He remembers that we are dust. And God knows his purpose for us, which is to make us into something much more than just dust. Into creatures whose true identity is found in relationship with him. Our weakness and his purpose. God already knows those things, and Lent is a time for us to remember them. Fasting is one thing that can help us to remember our weakness. Because when we fast, when we give something up that would normally be part of our daily life, we quickly realize how weak and frail we really are. We find out how hard it is for us to go 15 minutes without looking at our phone, or one morning without our coffee. These fasting experiences are occasions for us to reflect on our weakness. Because if we can't even hardly fast for a few days... How could we ever have the power to save ourselves from sin? The answer is, we can't. We're just catching up to what God already knows. He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. He knows that we're not strong enough to save ourselves. Let's remember that too. Almsgiving also helps us to remember that we are dust. That we're totally dependent for everything on God our Maker. We're under the illusion that money will give us security. But the truth is that no matter how much money we hoard, we will still die. It doesn't give us security. Or we think that if we use our money to take an awesome trip, or to buy a really amazing product, then our life will have meaning, finally. But the truth is that no matter how much money we spend on ourselves, our lives will still be empty and meaningless. So almsgiving is an opportunity for us to realize that we don't really need money the way we think we do. That what we really need is God. 
giving away our money instead of hoarding it or spending it on ourselves, will remind us of what God already knows, that his steadfast love is what brings true security, that his work in our lives is what really gives our lives meaning. Finally, Lent is an occasion for us to devote more time, more energy to prayer and to the reading of God's word and to spend time remembering that everlasting, steadfast, loving purpose of God. When you think about how magnificent, how glorious, and how gracious God's purpose is to remove our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, to restore us to relationship with him, to restore us to his image, to save us from death and give us life forever. Really, it's astonishing that we Christians who have something so wonderful to think about spend so little time thinking about it. But God is thinking about it all the time. All the time God is working to that purpose in our hearts and in our lives. And by devoting a little more of our time to prayer or to reading God's word this Lent, we can catch up to what God already knows, what God is already thinking and doing. We can dig deeper into the riches of his wisdom and goodness and love. We can lament and repent of the ways that our sin separates us from him. And we can watch with joy the work that he is doing to restore us to himself. However you plan to observe this Lent, whether by fasting, by giving alms, making more time for prayer and Bible reading or something else, I think our psalm invites us to do it with these two thoughts in mind. Our weakness and God's steadfast love. Remember that you are dust. And remember that God in his grace is making you into something so much more than just dust. Remember that without him you are nothing. And remember that in him you have life and love and everything. Remember him. And in your weakness, turn to him again and again. Amen.